So this morning, uh, if, if you were here last night, we get to hear from Dan again. If you weren't here last night, you're going to get round two, uh, and that's okay. Last night was amazing, but the Bible says God's mercies are new every morning, so it just gets better, right? Okay. We'll all be convinced by the end. Don't worry. Uh, so Dan's a good friend of ours. If you missed the introduction last night, good friend of mine, good friend of the Antioch movement for decades, and he loves Jesus a lot. And last night when we got started, I said, you know, I'm ex- I was excited for this weekend for Dan to come because I, I'm just praying and believing that we would all walk out the door realizing, oh my goodness, Jesus loves me more than I thought. And so if you were here last night, did that happen for you? Because it happened for me. Okay, awesome. Well, I think it's going to happen again today. So uh, we do standing ovations around here. So give him a standing ovation. Welcome Dan Bauman to the room. I prayed for you last night, so you just... Good morning. Amen. What an honor to be back again and to be with y'all. Did I say that right, y'all? I started my journey with Antioch in Texas, so they had to teach me how to do (laughs) y'all. I tried to teach them, no, it's you guys. (laughs) That's how I grew up. (laughs) Uh, It's awesome. But it's good to be in Indy, and I'm so glad it's not, like, really, really cold. (laughs) So I'm just grateful to be back and to share more of my heart today, and again, just talk more about the goodness of God. You know, it really just doesn't get old, you know, and the more I walk with him, the more I get to know him, the more I discover him. As I was praying for you guys this morning, I kept thinking of Romans 8, verse 1. Someone want to read that? I could read it. (laughs) It's a really common scripture. I could read it. Oh, because I know it. (laughs) So that's why I don't have to pull out my Bible. Isn't it wild nowadays? The Bible is like mostly on our phones. I grew up not doing that. Uh, Now it's all on the phone. But it simply says, There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I don't know about you guys, but I so often have used that scripture and kind of translated a different way like this. There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, unless you kind of deserve it. (laughs) (laughs) Or there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, but actually. (laughs) Guess what? There is no condemnation. (laughs) Tell that to your neighbor. There's no condemnation. Don't say that word unless. (laughs) See, my heart was always like going to that place of unless, unless. And the reality was is there was just no condemnation. And I have been learning to live in that beautiful reality again and again that, yeah, we are free in Jesus and that he has rescued us, not only from life, but from ourselves, you know, Ah, there's no condemnation, and I love walking that out. Um, yeah, many of you were here last night, and I shared a lot about my prison story, about being in prison in Iran, and I got out. <laughs> you probably realize that. And uh, yeah, for you, if you weren't here last night, I'm blessed with a wonderful family, missionary family. Uh, we're all connected with an organization called YWAM, Youth with a Mission. 
my older sister and her husband starting our work in India and Nepal, my younger sister working 25 years raising her family in North India, and my mom now, my father's passed away, my mom being staff in, in Hawaii, and so that's my family. I currently live at our training center in Hawaii. <laughs> Don't feel so bad for me. <laughs> Uh, I love being there, and uh, <clears throat> it's where our founder lives, and so that's very much my connection right now, but uh, yeah, it's been about 15, 20 years now being very much friends with Antioch, and so many friends. Life is about making friends, isn't it? And it's kind of what we want, <laughs> and the beautiful thing is the more I get to know Jesus, he's into that too, you know? And uh, Jesus just loves doing life with friends. <laughs> and Antioch has been such a bunch of friends in my life, and I'm just so grateful to do life with them. Um, yeah, my life is all over. I travel a lot, uh, speaking and teaching and uh, doing different things, um, I just love to tell a few stories about what God is doing <laughs> around the world. As I travel, I get to see so much. Jesus is winning. <laughs> and I'm just seeing that again and again and again. My older sister is uh, helping us in our organization and in many different parts of the body of Christ, going after this idea of business as mission and how to integrate the world of business with the word missions and not seeing them so separated, and uh, I love what she's doing. She keeps telling me this story. Oh, man, it gets me excited. It's a place called Shangri-La, China. Who's heard of that? It's over there. <laughs> but a place near the Tibetan area and more, uh, more western China, and a good friend of ours, a Singaporean man, started having a dream and he wanted a dream to reach this city, but he also had this dream of starting a hotel. And so he's like, oh, God, how do I do both? And he's like, well, just go do both. <laughs> and so he goes. He goes to Shangri-La, and he starts this hotel. And then God speaks to him and says, why don't you just have Tibetan workers? And so he had 150 Tibetans that became his workers. And over the last four or five years, all 150 Tibetans have become Christians. In his job, he was able to at least give a 15-minute segment every day. I don't know what he called it, but basically they all got saved. And with that, now they've extended it to where it's an hour a day. Everyone who works there has to have an hour a day finding Jesus, thinking about Jesus. And now all these Tibetans are finding Jesus. And so they started praying a few months ago what they should do. And now we've got like 20 people from that job who are all Christian Tibetans. And their dream now is to go start a hotel in Cairo, Egypt, so Muslims can find Jesus. Ha <laughs> ha. Go God. That's who Jesus is. And he is up to good stuff. And uh, I, I just get excited hearing these stories about what God is doing around the world. And the, the, the breath, when the more you get to know Jesus, he's actually working in all kinds of ways. 
and he loves to be involved in our lives in all areas. And I love that about him. Uh, today, I just want to just share more about my own story. Um, those who hear me, I teach a lot in different places, and people are like, Dan, you just tell stories. <laughs> uh, I kind of do. Uh, but as, I, as I've traveled and, and sought, you know, uh, God's advice in different situations, I've, I've learned so much from other people's stories. And so that's very much my journey as well, just hearing and discovering more about who Jesus is. And last night, yeah, after the prison experience, I went back and I continued uh, working in Youth with a Mission, just teaching and training and getting very connected with Antioch over the years, teaching, training, going overseas. And then a lot of people wanted to hear about the prison story, so that's kind of what I kind of started teaching about or talking about. But what I didn't know is that this journey of walking with Jesus would have another big situation in my life. And I, standing here today, just want to tell you about a God who still does miracles and a God who is still really, 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 really good. Yeah. So what I'm going to tell you now is a story of what happened about 20 months ago. And I was living in Hawaii. We have many islands. And as a part of uh, our summer, 2016, my friends came up to me and like, Dan, let's do something fun. And I'm like, what's fun? <laughs> so they came up with this idea of going for a hike on a different island. We have many islands. Kauai is one that, yeah, we don't live on. And they have many wonderful places to hike. And what I'm going to tell you now is uh, all been told to me because I have about five weeks of memory loss from an accident that happened. But me and my friends decided to go. We spent the night with a good friend who gave us all the instructions for an 11-mile hike. And then we started off on this hike. And apparently three or four uh, miles in, pretty much on a cliffside through a rocky area, um, very much isolated from any cell phone coverage or from anything else, and that's where I fell. And my friends, which is one was my nephew, one was his friend, Daniel, also my friend, um, they were probably about, uh, I don't know, 100 yards behind me, and they actually didn't see me fall as I had uh, this accident, which was such a God's grace on their lives. But apparently I had come across a corner and climbing on these rocks, kind of at a very high pinnacle, right on a cliffside, is where I fell. And they said I fell 45 to 50 feet. And I fully injured my face and my head, fully damaging my cerebellum through a puncture in the back and then fully puncturing my face where I busted what's called the seventh nerve. And again, all this has been told to me from others because I have five weeks of memory loss. I was completely unconscious, and I fell to the bottom. My friends came across the corner just yelling my name, like, Dan, where are you? And that's when they saw down at the bottom over a rocky cliff area, they saw my feet behind a bush. And that's when they were like, oh, my goodness, I wonder if he's okay. And that's when they ran down. 
what they found was that blood was gushing out of my head. I cracked it open from here to here, the skull. And my nephew held my head together as the blood was gushing out, the first miracle of God saving my life. And it was the other friend, Daniel, who was like, oh my gosh, we got to get help. And so he ran four or five miles back. And again, we were in a very remote area. There was no cell phone coverage. Like, how are we going to get help? And he ran three or four miles. Again, another one of the miracles. Found someone who actually knew of a helicopter rescue team. And that's when they got the team to me, lowered a basket. They put me in it. They had to fly me to a different island because there was no neurosurgical unit there on that island. So we went to the main island, Oahu, and that's where I was flown in. Went straight to the operating table after a five-hour surgery as they began to fix my head. That's when the doctor came out and said, we're so, so sorry. Dan lost 60 to 65% of his blood. He will not make it. We're so, so sorry. He has less than an hour to live. And I'm standing here today. <laughs> That's who Jesus is. That's who Jesus is. Yeah. Two weeks unconscious with all the tubes and everything coming out of my face. Yeah, not any hope really. It was every night where nurses would tell people who knew me, yeah, he'll probably pass away tonight. Very hopeless. And this was the beginning of this crazy journey. And it was two and a half weeks later from unconscious, just lying there still, where all of a sudden my right leg starts to twitch. And then they're like, no way. I guess it was my toe. His toe is moving, you know. And I'm unconscious, so I can't even think about, you know, the excitement of my toe moving. And then this leg starts to move. Everyone's freaking out, like, maybe he'll live, maybe he'll live. And life started to come back. As life started to come back, hope started to come back. The doctors were very, very amazed. People were very, very shocked. By this time, my nephew, who had, who had, had saved my life originally, his dad came. And his dad came one day, and he was in the elevator. And as he was in the elevator one day, he, he met a man and asked, what do you do? And he goes, oh, I work with the rescue team here with the helicopter. And he goes, oh, my brother-in-law was actually rescued by the helicopter team. He goes, where? And he tells him it was in another island, Kauai, and tells him the day. And he goes, oh, my goodness, I did that rescue. And he's like, really? He goes, yeah. And he goes, when I did the rescue, though, there was something amazing. When I got there, there was a long, blonde-haired kid. <laughs> and my brother-in-law's like, yeah, that's my son. And he's like, well, where did he learn EMT? And, they, and my brother-in-law's like, uh, my son doesn't know EMT. He's like, no, 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 who taught him? He's like, no, he doesn't know. He goes, what? He goes, that man would have died immediately except for the guy who held his head, held it in the right way, and it saved his life. <laughs> I'm like, go God. Uh, so many miracles. Life went on as I started to come back. 
there was, it was obvious that I was not in a good place, but there was at least movement. The hope would be, the doctor was say, telling my friends, if he does live, he will be a vegetable the rest of his life because of what they saw and what they had to fix when they opened my skull and all the damage I had had. As I started to twitch, though, there was this right arm, which actually had not been damaged in the fall. The damage was all on this side and then my legs, but not this arm. And so when consciousness was coming, this arm started to move, and that's when I was able to communicate for the first time. I had busted everything on my face on the left side, so I couldn't talk, couldn't see. I had fully no uh, nothing, no feeling here, couldn't speak at all. But this right arm, as it started to get better, could move like normally, like naturally. And that's when I saw a whiteboard in my room, and I pointed, and they brought it over. And they gave me a pen, and I wrote my first word, <laughs> the word food. <laughs> and then I wrote the second word, the word now. <laughs> and someone got the message and brought me some food. Ah, God is so good. And life went on, life went on. With that hope came, man, Dan needs to get to rehabilitation. Well, where is rehabilitation? We didn't know. So a friend of ours looks on the website. There was a number one brain rehab center in the USA. It happened to be in Denver, Colorado. And so she looked it up, and I was put on a list. I was number 93 on a waiting list, and I got accepted. How does that work? I don't know, Jesus. And as I got ready to go there, it is very connected to my first memory. And my first memory, which triggered something in my head, and my memory's been normal from that day until now including memory from before the five weeks is back. But yeah, I was all triggered by a spe very special meeting for me. And that's where in Oahu, our founder and president of YWAM, who lives in Kona, Hawaii, where I live, he came over with his wife and met me. And I'll never forget the day. He's 82, and he came over, and he was there. And as he was there with me, he sat me down, and he looks at me, and he goes, Dan, I think it's good that you go to this rehab center. You have to go. It's good for you. He goes, Dan, you need to be aware, though, it's going to be hard at first. And it could be a situation where, where you might feel very broken. And, uh, and, and in your life, you know, there might be some hard things as, as you're just broken before God. But if you just lean into Jesus, you're going to be okay. And so he says this, and I'm listening, and then I saw something actually shift in his face. It's almost like the spirit of prophecy came over him. And he looks at me directly, and he says this, but Dan, you need to know this. Satan has tried to kill you, and Satan is going to lose. And Dan, when this is over, Dan, you will travel farther than you ever have. You will go to more countries than you ever have. You will go to more cities than you ever have. You will speak to more young people than you ever have and travel farther and talk more about Jesus and what Satan has meant for destruction, God will use for his glory. Oh, my goodness. 
Jesus. And throughout this journey, I've been on so many times, especially in the beginning. Remember Uncle Lauren. <laughs> Remember Uncle Lauren. Yeah. Because God is really good. I've never been to Indy to preach, and today I'm preaching in Indy. <laughs> That's who Jesus is. That's who Jesus is. And I went. I went to this rehab center, third floor. It's called Craig in Denver. And it was that first night there that this thing that Lauren had mentioned to me, Dan, you, you know, it could be a time of breaking in your life. It really happened. And I call it the dark night of the soul. And I remember that first day, I'm lying in bed. They had fully tied my hands to the railing of the bed. They didn't want me to re-injure my head, so I was fully tied. And then from that, they put a, a netting around the bed, and the netting was very tight again, so I couldn't try to get out of the bed with the zipper on the outside of the netting. And so I was fully enclosed, tied. At this point, I had no movement in my left leg, no movement in my right leg, and no movement in this arm. And that was my life. And I'll never forget that first night I was there. Something happened in my heart. I call it the dark night of the soul. But I looked up to God, and I said, God, I gave you my life so many times all these years. And I've tried to serve you, and okay, maybe I haven't been a perfect soul, but I've tried to do the right thing over the years. But God, there was one thing I always wanted. There was one thing I just thought would be natural or would be that at least I'd get this. All the things I give up, at least this one thing I could have. And it's called walking. It's called having legs. And now, God, now, God, you're taking it away. Like, what are you doing? And I could see this anger and pride coming out of my heart. As I lied there, the room was just felt dark. As I just kind of yelled my heart out, I finally fell asleep. And I'll never forget that next day. About 11 in the morning, Wonderful Jesus, wonderful Jesus. He doesn't run away when we get mad. He doesn't get ticked off and, and run a different direction. No, he's still, he's still there. And I'll never forget that day. About 11 in the morning, I'm lying in my bed. And wonderful Jesus spoke so clearly to my heart these simple words. Hi, Dan. <laughs> and I'm like, God, I really don't want to talk right now. Right. <laughs> and God said, no, Dan, I just want to let you know. You know I love you, but I want to let you know something else. I like you. And I still like you. And I will always like you. And I'm going to take care of you. <sighs> God got me. Of course, God loves us. He's supposed to, you know? It's just like, yeah, he's God, you know? But like me? Nah, you know, God likes me if I'm a good guy, but if I'm kind of a jerk. No, he just likes me. 
And the like of God just won my heart. And repentance came all over me. And I just said, God, I'm sorry. And as I repented, the peace and joy flooded my heart. And it's been with me ever since. <laughs> uh, tell your neighbor Jesus likes him. <laughs> and the like of God continues to change my life. I never forget the next day. I had different therapists all throughout the day from 7 in the morning till 3 in the afternoon. Every hour, a different therapist for different parts of, yeah, trying to come back, both the mind, memory, and, you know, cognitive skills, motor skills, and then the movement of, of my body and my legs and other things. And I'll never forget when I met my physical therapist for my legs. His name was Wes. <clears throat> Wes was actually from out. He is from Cleveland, Ohio. African-American guy, young guy. You could tell he was stocky, he was strong. He walks in. By this time, my, my voice was coming back, and I was able to communicate mostly. And he looks at me, and he goes, Dan, I'm in charge of your legs, and we're going to get you walking. And I'm like, doubt it. <laughs> you know, I'm like, uh, yeah, thanks, sir. I know you're trying to be nice, but. And he goes, no, Dan, here, here it is. I got a proposition for you. You give me two months of your life, and I'll get you walking. I'm like, sir, thank you, but I have no feeling in this leg, no feeling in this leg. I can't move. He's like, no, sir, I know it seems impossible, but you give me two months, you're going to be walking. And I'm like, sir, why me? Why are you giving me all this hope? Like, there's all these other patients, and I just don't have any hope. And he goes, Dan, you need to know this. I looked at your papers, and you seem like you're really in love with Jesus. Like, you're really religious. <laughs> I'm not religious, but I think it's really good that you are. <laughs> and Dan, it seems like you've traveled all over the world and told people about Jesus. And, sir, it would be my honor to get you walking again so that one day in two months you're going to start walking and you're going to go farther than you ever have. You're going to travel the world more than you ever have. You're going to tell more people about Jesus than you ever have. And I'm going to help you get there. And it would be my honor. I'm a Christian. Like, Wes, you got me. He's like, what does that mean? I said, it means yes. I'll do whatever you say. He's like, when do we start? I said, right now. He's like, okay, get in the wheelchair. I'm like, I can't move. He's like, sorry, sorry, sorry. Ha, <laughs> ha. And every day I did an hour and a half of just massage different things. After six weeks, I came. We were done with our session, getting ready to go back to the room. He's like, all right, Dan, we're done. I'm like, okay, just give me my wheelchair. He's like, no, today we're going to switch to a walker. And I'm like, ah, thanks, man, but I really can't use a walker. He's like, no, no, let's do it. I think you can. In two weeks, all I used was a walker. And then two weeks later, I came back, did my daily session with him. 
He's like, all right, we're done. I'm like, all right, give me my walker. He's like, nah, today we're going to forget the walker. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, give me the wheelchair. <laughs> He's like, no, that's gone too. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> He's like, today we're going to start walking. <laughs> and I've been walking ever yeah. since. Ha <laughs> 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 ha. <laughs> that's who Jesus is. That's who Jesus is. He's really good, friends. He's really good. <laughs> and God brought me that life back. Uh, as I look at that rehab time, I got there, and the head, of the, the head of the whole place, who turns out to have even a notoriety in America, is number two neurologist, brain surgeon in the USA. <laughs> I'm like, why does he care about me? <laughs> you know, I was so honored. And he comes up to me the first day. Uh, Sir, you're going to be here a minimum of nine months. Two months later, he's like, Sir, you're the fastest healing patient I've ever seen, and you're going to leave here after two and a half months. <laughs> Jesus. I call those two months, two and a half months, the best two months of my life with Jesus. Everything inside of me wanted to complain about my life. Like, what if I never walk? What if I never have normal speech? What if I never have things that I just call normal? You know, and my heart wanted to blame things on my circumstances. And I'm like, Jesus, I, I know that's technically not true, but my circumstances are overwhelming my life. And God challenged me. He's like, Dan, do you really, really know who I am? And I'm like, God will teach me. Show me more. So I got my, my phone, and uh, I just turned on worship music. And about two, three hours every morning, all I did was worship Jesus. Because all I wanted was my mind to be more overwhelmed by who Jesus was than my circumstances. I did not want my circumstances to run my life. I wanted his character to run my life. And all I can say is those two, three months, Jesus became more to me than anything else. More in love with him than ever. Got so excited about Jesus. And the funny thing is, the more you get excited about Jesus, you really don't care about your circumstances. <laughs> Because he's that good and he's that beautiful and things really don't matter. And as I was able to relinquish my heart just enjoying knowing who Jesus is, it changed my heart again. And I'm just so grateful. So grateful to run to Jesus. Uh, so many things happen, so many miracles. They say there's at least seven miracles in my situation. I remember one day they come in, the occupational therapist, and said, yeah, we want to give you a massage in your upper body today. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I don't know if you know, yeah, about my ribs. And she's like, oh, you're really concerned about your ribs, so you don't want to touch that part. I'm like, yeah. She's like, oh, you didn't see the x-rays from last night? I'm like, no. <laughs> my seven broken ribs, she's like, oh, you don't have those anymore. I looked at the x-ray, you're totally fine. <laughs> <clears throat> that's who Jesus is. And miracles came back and back and back. Oh, man, so many good things, including so many fun stories. 
Yeah, and uh, so many fun stories. I, I remember even thinking how I got my phone. <laughs> Such a miracle. I had lost my phone on the fall, an iPhone 6 Plus. So lost in the wilderness of this random cliffside in Kauai, where every day it would be under the sun and the rain. Just two and a half weeks later, a random German tourist going through the area had to use the restroom. There wasn't any around. So he went down the cliff a little bit, did his business. And then he's coming back, and he looks under a bush, and he sees an upside-down iPhone 6 Plus. He pulls it out, presses the power button, two and a half weeks of being out there, and it boots up. And he's like, I don't know. So it goes to the security page. And the security page is for, for numbers. And he's thinking, well, how do I even get inside the phone to find out whose it is? And then he thinks to himself, wait a minute, if it's an American, he'll do the easiest way. <laughs> and if you hold an iPhone like this, the easiest is four zeros with your thumb. And that's exactly what I have. <laughs> so he hits four zeros and it boots up. And he goes to recent calls, and he calls the guy who was our host the night before we went on the hike. Hi, hello, I have the iPhone of Daniel Bauman. <laughs> He's like, what? How did you find it? <laughs> they met the next day, and he sent it to me, and I had my phone. <laughs> With all the things we love about our phone, you know? The internet, music, contacts, friends, everything. That's who Jesus is. And life went on, life went on. As I was there at the rehab center, we were about 50 patients. One day I'm like, Jesus, you're doing so much for me. What about everybody else? And Jesus is like, yeah, I love them too. And I'm like, I know you do. <laughs> uh, so I'm like, how can I love them? He's like, just ask me for love. And I'm like, okay, Jesus, do you love these people? <laughs> And for the next few weeks, I got to love on everybody. <laughs> and one of the simple ways I could do it is I wrote some books. So I gave them all books. <laughs> it was so fun. And I got to go to every patient because I know some of their situations weren't like mine. Where I was getting better, they might not be under that. So the compassion and love of God filled my heart. And I got to share the love of Jesus with all these people. Ah, oh, I just felt so honored. What a privilege to, yeah, not only see what God did for me, but that he loved them too, you know? And that just got me closer and closer to this crazy day when it's getting time to go. And uh, yeah, I'll never forget my last day with my senior doctor, the one who ran the place. He comes in and comes to see me. He's like, all right, Dan, you're going to have to go. It's been such a privilege to have you here. And he's like, I got a question, though. In, in Youth with a Mission, we live in community settings, okay? We live in how, different homes, but we're very connected, you know, as a sense of family. And his first question to me was like, I got a question before you go. Why do you live in a convent? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I don't live in a convent. <laughs> he's like, oh, okay, sorry, sorry. He goes, you live in Kona, Hawaii? I said, yes, I do. He's like, well, I like Kona. I know it. I've been there. 
And I'm like, wonderful. He's like, yeah, well, I usually come there. I'm going to come there one day, and I'm going to come find you. I'm like, wow, doctor, that'd be an honor. I'd be privileged that you would come see me. He goes, Dan, but I'm not going to come as your doctor. I'm going to come as your friend, and we're going to go for a walk and enjoy the day. <clears throat> That's who Jesus is. And I flew out, and rehab started continuing on. Okay, a lot had happened, but yeah, when you have a brain injury, it affects all of life. You learn all your ability to make decisions and think and have emotions. And, you know, what if you get angry? What if you get sad? You know, all these realities that we take for granted. I had to basically learn how to live again. You're like a two-year-old kid learning how to, you know, one or two-year-old kid learning how to do life. And uh, we live in a community setting, and I remember we run a lot of schools, training schools, so I went to one. I did another school. It was awesome. I teach a lot in these schools, and then I got to do one. I got to sit on the front and take notes. <laughs> it was awesome. And yeah, life started to come back, and then I started having to teach again and talk again, and I had thought, well, maybe I forgot everything I used to teach. So the first time I taught, my friends used to show me all these videos of me speaking. <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> and then it just started growing and growing. I got to go back and go to my Antioch friends and be with them and share that with them. And it just kept going, going, going. Then last summer, one of the real special kind of not, not finalities, but at, towards the end of my rehab, I was there and uh, I found out I had to do a, a cosmetic look at my head again from the surgery. It was not a big deal. But with that, my doctor said, yeah, you should go back to your original surgeon. I'm like, I have no idea who that is. He goes, yeah, I don't either. <laughs> so we looked on a list of who it might have been at that one hospital in Honolulu, and then we thought maybe it's this guy, went to his website, talked to a secretary, and they're like, yes, we did do surgery on Daniel Bauman. So I went and saw him a few months ago. As I walked into his office, he started to cry. A 61-year-old man from St. Louis, neurosurgeon, I said, sir, what's going on? He's like, Dan, when you came, I never thought I'd ever see you alive again. And today, Dan, you're walking into my office. And it proves that we have a God who does miracles. That's coming from the head surgeon. <laughs> ah. Ah, I'm like, what'd you see? He goes, oh, it was bad, Dan. I never thought you'd make it. But I see you standing here today, and it gives me great joy. Ha-ha, <laughs> that's who Jesus is. After that came the freedom to travel again, more extensively. So last fall, I traveled all over the place. I went to back to Afghanistan, where I used to live. I've been to back to South Africa. I've been all over Korea. I've been all over India all over the world, and, and uh, God is just good. And now here I stand today. I'm still not 100%. Um, I still have a little pain left on this side of the face. It's a, more of a pressure than pain. 
and I'm, I am able to fully function. Sometimes late at night, I have a balance issue now, which is a typical thing for an injury. In fact, I, I'm a lot better now, but before, I used to always swerve to the right. <laughs> My friends wanted to buy me a t-shirt, dot, dot, dot. No, I'm not drunk. Because <laughs> apparently, I used to always swerve like that. But here I am today. What does all this mean? It means we serve a God who does miracles. We serve a God who, yeah, makes the impossible possible. We serve a God who loves to do things way beyond what science or anyone else can say. We serve a God who's really, 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 really good. Yeah, and I don't know your story. I don't know your situation, but I know this, that if Jesus can rescue me, he can rescue you. If Jesus can help me, he can help you. Because he's not far away. He's not far away. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's stand up. Yeah, as I was praying about tonight, I felt like there might be some of you have situations that you, you just don't know what to do. A situation that you just don't see an answer. Maybe a situation's been long. Maybe it's not even directly with you or it's maybe with a neighbor or with a relative and it's something that's just tough. If Jesus can rescue me, he can rescue them. He can rescue you. He can make a difference. Yeah. 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 Let's just love on each other. Why don't you just turn to a friend and let's just start loving on each other, praying for each other. If you want to share, feel free to share. Yeah, let's just love on each other. Let's just look to Jesus. Yeah, because he's really good, friends. He's really good. Yeah. Jesus, come. Come, Jesus. Come with your love, God. Come with your love, God. Come with your love, God. close this morning we're just going to worship one more song and it's just a song of confession it's just Jesus we need Jesus and he's everything that we need and I don't know where you're at this morning I don't know what you need but whatever it is that you need Jesus is enough 
And so as we sing this song, I just want to encourage you to come to Jesus. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus before, and you want to be free. You want to be free from sin. You want to be free to be in relationship with him. Maybe you need a miracle. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's mental. Maybe it's spiritual. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, Jesus is the God of miracles. It's who he is, and it's what he does. And so I'm going to pray for us as we uh, just continue our, the rest of our morning together and, and as we worship. And I want to encourage you to, to come, whatever that means, whatever it means for you to come. It might mean staying still. It might mean just coming up to the front just as an act of confession to say, Jesus, I need you. And present your opportunity or present your, your, your circumstances in front of him and allow him to touch those, to touch those circumstances, to give a miracle. So Jesus, we love you so much. And we invite you right now just in these final few minutes together, as we sing your name, as we confess who you are, Lord, would you come and do what only you can do? We ask for miracles now in Jesus' name. We ask for miracles, Lord, miracles of hope, miracles of healing, miracles of restoration, miracles of salvation. Yes, God. Come, Holy Spirit. We love you, Lord. I just want to encourage some of you to come to the front. Not everybody, it's not about any of that, but some of you just come to the front as an act of confession. Put yourself in a position to just say, Jesus, I'm here.